Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jennifer Colby, sounding like Jason today. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Did you? We, we switched it up. I'm we glad did. you didn't say you were Jason. I know that has. We need to keep this before. as like a running, reoccurring inside joke of like. Uh, remember Jennifer. when Jennifer said she was Kate or anything but her actual name, which is Jennifer? Yeah, that was awkward. That was fun, but uh, I mean, if I could be anybody, you're a good person to be. So <gasps> yeah, we could we could do like. Uh, Freaky Friday. Yeah, switch our last I would Friday. Totally. I will take what your jacket today. What if we did that like church wide, like just staff wide? We all Freaky Friday and took somebody else's. That would job be funny for, for Halloween if we did like costume or a costume <laughs> dress up thing. That would be funny. That would be funny. But everybody, I, we can't spoil or alert it. But I'm already excited for our staff costume, and I know not everyone will participate. I don't know I, what it is. Oh, I think you do, but I can't share because it's from when we cleaned out the the garage. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what it is. And we might have strewn them across. <laughs> most of Clear Lake. <laughs> you guys, let me just take a moment to tell you that it is really fun to work here. We it have crazy fun. days and um yeah. This is like okay, so we're 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 interviewing a guy from Texas and I'm trying to get him okay, so here uh, just real talk here. Everybody thinks Clear Lake, Iowa is like the rest of North Iowa or Iowa in oh, general, sure. right? And they also think because we're in North Iowa and that we're a small church, and there's nothing wrong with small churches, let's be clear. Yeah. But in trying to like talk to people, immediately when, I, when I'm, I've reached out to several people, and this is usually what I get, we just don't feel like the Lord's leading us to Iowa. We're really feeling called to, and it's always someplace Nashville. like, no, or usually it's like California yeah. or Washington. And I'm like, or, <laughs> like, wouldn't that exactly be where the Lord would call you? Why is it God is always calling, and you don't see it in here, but I have quotation marks. Air Why is it that people always feel like God's calling them to the best place they, they think they should go? The most desirable location. Yes, I was like, I, well, I, I have to tell you, honestly, Jason, I was personally called to Hawaii. <laughs> Um, I was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you rebelled against the I, I did. Want. And I was Australia. like, no, I'm going to be here in North Iowa for like ever. Be super rural. Well, so but now, I, people don't understand how great Iowa is. I really it is. I truly do love it. Okay, Iowa. so yeah. I've lived in California. I've lived in Minnesota. I've lived in Arizona. And this is my favorite place. Yeah, now, don't I love wrong, Iowa. I don't like the winters. The winters are lame. Nobody, Especially here because of the lake. Like we just yeah, have but a, if it wasn't for the wind. That blows you but know, then we also cold. get we get the kite festival. But yeah, but yes. it's so fun. And Christmas time, people walking around all dressed like carolers and yeah. Hey, we plug very Christmas fun. by the Lake outreach is posted on our website. Join We're it. gonna need hundreds of volunteers. Amen. And I'm not exaggerating. Last year we had like seventy volunteers, but didn't it was not like, enough. Didn't we have like five thousand people come through? I would say I it, think so. at least yeah, if yeah. not more. I know last year you said three thousand, but it was no, more Derek like four said to five. 3, yeah, but the police station estimated more. Derek said three. There was like eight, eight thousand. Yeah. Derek town. can't in count. Town. That's why we have him do Derek is an engineer, so he 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 like lowers things. Lower well right. and so like most people don't know this. We're actually a church of about fifteen thousand. He just doesn't count right. <laughs> 
That's that's called church counting. Church, church counting. Yeah, every person Count who drives. Twice. You know what? Someone drove through our, our by our building. Only go up to four digits. I think so. so <laughs> we're gonna need new counters. So we have not we have not had a podcast in like couple weeks. I know. Two weeks. I'm sorry, listeners. I hope you guys are. We, you got guff hey, about shout it. Shout out! I did. Uh, I know. I was just. Can I shout that out? Do I it. know it came to you, but shout out to our listeners who attended Sisterhood last Friday. Yeah. Um, they were like, you should take a day to record some bonus episodes that you can use on weeks that you have to have off weeks or like Christmas or, you know, when Jason's on vacation or whatever. And I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah. So we are actively looking at that. Yeah. But and I will say it was really cool because I've, I've heard very similar things. And so I really it, it means a lot to us for those who are listening. Yeah. When we actually hear the feedback. And, and I think, Kate, you said something or Jennifer, one of you did. But one of the best ways we can get this out, because we're hearing from people that this has been a meaningful, this podcast is a meaningful platform. Yeah. When you share it with people, when you leave iTunes ratings, those things actually help. Shout out to the UPS driver listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the ways that you can help us is that when you when you leave a rating, when you leave a comment, even if you don't like it, quite frankly, if you don't like it, share what you don't Tell like. Us. Tell yeah. us. Like, feedback is feedback is not a bad thing. And to that point, I'll just add for this message, for these comments, if there's a specific like bonus episode that you would love us to talk about, like oh, yeah. throw your topics in there because we could well, totally we still, we I could. still want to do a bonus episode where all we do is answer questions, but we That'd have not, maybe that's the way we do it is we're going to only answer things that you leave questions we about. Could, we could like pre-record fun episodes of answering these hot topics. Hot, to- hot topics. Tell us what you want to know. Tell me I what, you, know what you really, really want. I want to know about this week's message. All right, so we are. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> we want to get out of here. Kate and I are headed. We're not. We, we do want to. Okay, where are you going? We. Oh my gosh, Kate, you share because this is I'm your plug. So excited, Bob Goff. If you're listening, I'm coming for okay, you. So, man. First, okay. okay, so if you get a chance, to talk to him. I'm gonna try. Tell him, no, really. So if you tell him, say, hey, you spoke at one of my pastor's really good friend Virgil Grant's church in okay. Kentucky. And maybe that'll be a name drop that we can be like, would you be willing Virgil to come to our Grant. Virgil Grant in Kentucky? Okay. And uh, they said not they, Ulysses S. Grant, not Ulysses, Virgil Grant. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'd love to get Virgil on the podcast at some point. Cool. I think it'd be cool to start bringing in guests and that sure. kind of stuff like Bob Goff. Like Bob Goff. So we're going to go to the Good for All conference in Des Moines at Valley Church. We're so excited. What a good deal. Plug for them. This yeah. is a really cool thing. All about how to be a better neighbor, how to love your neighbor better. Um, and Bob Goff is one of the speakers. And Didn't I am, he do last year or was it Tim Tebow was last year? He did. I think he did two years ago. Tim okay. Tebow was last yeah. year. Yeah. Bob Hosanna Goff, I'm Wong. so excited. Yeah. And Hosanna Wong, she's pretty There's pretty a lot great. of great and speakers. I can't remember uh, Rebecca McLaughlin. Jeannie so. McKnight. Actually, it's going to be a really great. And I'll just share this. Like, so far, this has been an annual thing that they've done. And it's quality. I've been to it before. So if you need, like, a even just a reset with your faith where you can get away and, like, hear from people. And they're not even charged. We're not even getting paid to do no, this. No, no, this is so good. good. Yeah. But, so that's where we're going. I'm not yeah. above being paid for advertising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Valley Church, if you're listening, you owe us $50. $50 for a plug so that, that, so that, that, that 15 listeners we have. <laughs> okay, guys, but it's good. And Kate and I are excited because yes. it's Yes, I really fun. am going to go try to talk to Bob Goff. No, really, do like I bet I'm you. Really I bet you probably could. And I, I bet do you. A meet and, greet. and if you really said, you say, listen, the lead pastor of my church is really good friends with Virgil Grant. You just spoke at his church in Kentucky. Get and I bet you he'd know because listen to the podcast. He actually, I talk about he's life. limited how many churches he's going to speak at, so I guarantee he'll remember. Like okay. he purposely chose to speak at this church. 
Okay. Yeah, which I'm like, dude, he just, the, my friend's church also just had Ian Cron. Yeah, cool. And I'm like, Good dude, home. like, send some of that, some some our way. Some of that trickle down. What? what? <laughs> uh, so it's been a couple, it's been a hot minute. Yeah. I was on vacation for one week. We yep. went on an Alaskan cruise. So cool. And it's so funny. Everybody asks how it is. And I described it how it was Sunday morning. Beautifully boring. It was relaxing. It was not boring because we didn't do anything. It was boring because I just got to do whatever I needed to do. No schedule. No schedule. So I took naps and I read books and I spent time with my wife and we had friends on it and saw some beautiful sights and walked around some places. But it wasn't like we're frenetically going everywhere. It was really nice. And then last week. It was Sabbath. It was. It was like a week long break of wonderfulness. It was great. Uh, And then last week we decided not to because we started this new series called Rock of Ages, where, and it's volume one, which implies there's going to be a volume two. Isn't that great? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, dun, 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 where we're actually looking at the Apostles' Creed, but then we're also uh, going to try as much as we can, bring in some of the the songs that reflect cultural beliefs today and how the Apostles' Creed speaks to some of those things and and how the creeds, what we believe actually matters. Um, I hear that too. I know. Is that there's, you? There's like noise randomly coming. It's, it's the weird. I totally heard that. That was super weird. That was I, weird. I thought maybe something connected to our speaker. Is it? Was, it's gone. Is it still yeah. going? That's crazy. No, it's not there. If you heard it on there, I we did heard it. hear it, and that's why I was like we looking it. for you it on your in your headset. Yes. I heard it too. That was crazy. That's why I was looking. Sorry. No, it's, it's okay. Little in the name of Jesus, I just rebuke that spirit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So last week we chose not to do it because we were talking about our beliefs and we just didn't feel like we'd have enough content. Yeah. To it was really, really do. setting the stage was, yeah. for the rest of the series. And Introducing new language, insider language. We had to spend some time doing that. Yeah. Okay. So not growing up in the church and on top of that, getting saved in a Baptist church. We never talked about the Apostles' Creed. We also never did the Lord's Prayer. Um, so for me, I didn't really get exposed to the Apostles' Creed or those things until really I'd been in ministry for several years. Sure, yeah. And in, even in church, actually, it was at the Reform. I was at my second youth ministry, 2002. But up until then, from 1989 to 2002, I didn't really, I'd never heard the Apostles' Creed. I, I knew of the Lord's Prayer. Um how about you, Kate? You I did raised not, in church? No, I did not grow up in the church, so I didn't know anything about, like, uh, what it, even the word liturgy. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what that even was. I had yeah. never heard that kind of stuff, let alone the things that liturgy contains. Yeah. So, so Big church word. Big church word. Um, but I was really lucky that when I did come to faith, uh, Zion is a beautiful, unique church that we are one church, two communities. And I was able to get exposed to a lot of that traditional liturgy while still um, being able to like worship in my own heart language of the contemporary service, where I don't think many of our kids, other than like our future confirmands that are going through confirmation right now with Derek and Amanda, um, I don't think a lot of people really do hear that very often in our contemporary service. Confirmation that. was, um, again, in Baptist tradition, they don't do confirmation. Mm-hmm. Confirmation was a thing that my Lutheran and Catholic friends did. Yeah. And then they looked at me and they were like, how come you don't have wow, to do it? <laughs> yeah, wait, how are you so lucky? Yeah, and, but here's the thing. There's my, I think the way we do confirmation, yeah, Derek does really such a well great done. job with it. Now, how about you? Because you were raised in an EV free church. Yeah, I mean, really as an adult. But it's funny because Kate says, I'm, I wasn't raised in a church. I don't know liturgy. I 
have church history and I didn't know liturgy. We had similar, yeah, because yeah, ours so, were more contemporary yeah, style. Yeah, and so actually it's, you know, probably an unhealthy part of me, but I push against like traditional church things. So like the Apostles' Creed. Even the sound of that turns me off. Like because it sounds religious. Yeah, or just like, what's the religious part of this? It that's sounds not... like almost ritualistic. Yeah, but yeah. again, when I think you understand, no, it's helping me believe. It's helping me declare and believe what I believe. Are you good? I'm so sorry. My Maybe. son is home sick, and he just Maybe texted. It, was your watch. it might have been my watch. Uh, just texted me. Can you get me a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> Middle school boys. I'm I love so sorry. Continue. Love no, just reminds fine. me of uh, Legally Blonde. Oh, oh, I make you have to real, real bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to. Wow, we're having all kinds. Tell of us your deep today. spiritual things some more. So, I'm so well, sorry. No, but I get but, that. But, yeah. but my point is simply that, like, until I understood what it said, like, I had to, I had to, uh, really wrestle and be like, okay. Why do I hate this? <laughs> Such yeah. a strong word. I know. Why do I hate but this But everything so much? that I did was contemporary. Like, all of my yeah. faith background is, uh, quote, unquote, contemporary. Like, it's not like it was ever, like, forced upon you where you'd be. Yeah. No, but, just but, even, but just the even spirit the of the church. contemporary movement was uh, getting away Wait, from yeah. anything traditional, anything that sounded like, religious. And there's just, like, a, it's just kind of like a put off to it. But actually, and same with even the, the traditional service, like there's so much beauty in that liturgy, yeah. and, you know, and they're like, they take a time for confession. Like, I think that's a beautiful practice. And the Apostles Creed, what's great about it is it, to your point where you're saying about creeds, it does help us simplify. It does help us clarify. It does help us. It does unify us. Yeah. And all of those things are really important because we do want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the Apostles Creed boils down you know, the scriptures so that it helps us to articulate that. Quicker. It's the main thing. One, well, and I think so much like you, I had the same response. Now, what was funny is I got saved into a church. Now, you may not fully appreciate this because you're not raised in the church in just the age, but 1989, okay, so the, the, the contemporary music scene had not fully gone. Worship wars were in full swing. Mm. So you had some churches like Calvary Chapel, vineyard that were getting away from hymns, but most churches were hymns and then moving to what was called blended. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the church I went to, the small, the building was huge, but the community was small. Baptist Church, First Baptist Church of El Cajon. Um, like the first three months I was there, we moved away from a strictly traditional service to a basically primarily contemporary with every once in a while a hymn. But here's the goofy part. So we had, we still had an organ. And the organist, Jean Yetman, who was the pastor's wife, she was amazing. Mm. Like she could make that thing sing. Cool. And I didn't even like an organ, but when she, again, she was like moving all, you can't see me, but she was like rocking out <laughs> on the organ. Excited. So when he and retired she and she'd come back, we're like, bring it on, Jean. Um, but then we had on the worship team, 1989, which again, you may not realize how scandalous this was. No churches, unless you were a non-denominational church. Moving from traditional to contemporary was really hard. Yeah. We had a drummer, an electric guitar, a piano player, a bass player, and timpanis. Yeah, I've heard you say I this played before. the timpanis. If you don't know what timpani is, it's a giant metal drum that you see in orchestras where the guy goes boom, boom, boom. <laughs> That's the timpani. In church. In church. It is the least. It's the like. Least, the precursor to the subwoofer. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> But to, to the credit of uh, our music director, a guy named Jim Walters, 
like we were doing contemporary music in a traditional mm-hmm. Baptist church. Mm-hmm. But again, being saved Baptist, we railed against anything that was liturgical. So we sang hymns, but that was about all we got. There was no confessional time because in, in Baptist tradition, there's not really a confessional element of things. So I had the same thing. So for me, the ideas of creeds and the Lord's Prayer all felt uber religious. And then I, that was the culture is you you don't need those things because those are man-made things. And then I started discovering, and really it wasn't until I got into school where I realized how important creeds are. Every creed, and there's there's several feed, creeds, but the two big ones, or three big ones, you have the Apostles, the Nicene, and the Athanasian Creed. Mm-hmm. Those are the big three. All of those were formed because of controversies. Because there was false teachings going around and people, most people couldn't read the Bible. So they didn't, most people couldn't read period. So they didn't know what to believe. And you had false teachers who were saying things like, well, there is no father God. There's Jesus who reveals himself as a father. Or you had another one. It was, hey, uh, Jesus, flesh is bad. Spirit is good. And so Jesus only looked like he was flesh. He wasn't really. Mm-hmm. He was he was a spirit being. And then you had controversies about where the Holy Spirit came from. Yeah. And was the Holy Spirit a person? Or did Jesus, was Jesus really, did he really experience our humanity? And when you realize like every creed was formed because of people were confused. And you look at our world, how confused are our people yeah. right now? You need those simple truths. And I think we, we just came out of that season of, you know, the series Simple. Yep. And going right into the creed where it's like, okay, Here's thank why. you. Thank you for these three sermons and telling me about how important it is to simplify things. Like how else can we simplify life? Well, and, and I think that what we have to be careful with, and I, and I have to say this as the, you know, for the lead pastor trying to direct things, I so appreciate Kate, that you talked about that we have two communities, one church. Yeah. And on either side, you can fall into the, well, ours is the right mm-hmm. way. Yep. On both sides, yep. the contemporary, just what you were talking about. I got saved in a contemporary church. So liturgical, that's man-made and it's not good. And anybody who likes it. Now, personally, I don't connect with the style because I wasn't yeah. raised in it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I see the beauty of it, but that's not my personal preference, but it's a preference issue. Yeah. It's not a spiritual one. Yeah. On the flip side, you'll have people in the traditional, well, that they're not reverential enough. They don't do things. And what we're missing, and this is why the creeds are so important. You know what the one thing the creed never says? Yeah. I believe there's one worship style. I believe there's one way to do church. I believe it. That doesn't exist. That's right. And so what the creeds allow us to do is to say, hey, even in the things we disagree, what unites us? Amen. And if you look at the Apostle Paul, Paul more than anybody else, I would say his the one area where you see Paul get almost angry in his letters is when it comes to disunity mm-hmm. and people who bring disunity. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking about even, I mean, the Apostle Creed, Apostles Creed by itself is like a a miracle because the fact that you could have a group of people come together and say, yes, yep. We believe yep, these things and they, yep. And, and at the end of the day, the we all day, believe this. Yes, like that is like that kind of unity is yeah. really rare. And it was formed not in like one meeting. Right. They were formed some of like, honestly, the apostles creed as we have it was not fully realized. So picture wet cement. It started in around the end of the third century. So two hundreds. And then it wasn't until the, I think the middle of the fifth or sixth century when you finally had it cemented the way we understand it now, because they were, they didn't just come in and say, well, the Bible's so clear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Bible's clear as mud. 
Like it just sometimes there are times that you read the Bible and you're like, wait a second, it says this here and mm -hmm. it says it's here. Yeah. I don't understand. And then on top of that, you have church tradition and mm -hmm. yeah. and the way people bring things in. And the Apostles' Creed comes in and says, hey, no, no, no. Out of all the things we're going to disagree about, in order to be rightly Christian, these are what the apostles taught. This and is the main thing. And the three, the three, it starts off with three functional treatises. And there's there's we then get to the fourth and fifth, but the three functional treatises are first about who God is, because at the, the core, if there's no God, what's the point of the creed, mm -hmm. right? right? And so it goes through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice there's not a lot about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And But there's an entirely different creed dedicated to the Holy Spirit, and most people don't realize that. And so they were still, they were still wrestling through the role of the Holy Spirit when the Apostles' Creed was finished. And so we just acknowledge the Holy Spirit exists. There is a Holy Spirit. Here he is, is what we understand. And he we is believe God. it. He is God. He, that's right. He's God and he's separate from the Son and so, he's separate hey, from the Father. I, I say that all the time. Go back to your truth yeah, bucket. What do. do you understand? So then we have a new creed that came out on who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do and who does, is the Holy Spirit equal in authority or equal in role or who who does the Holy Spirit come from? And, and that became an entirely different creed. Now when we understand that, so like this week we talked about God the Father and I, I, Jennifer, you and I were talking about the same article that we read. Mm -hmm. um, they just talked about the state of theology in America and the number of Christians who don't understand basic truths of Scripture. Yeah. And the reason is, and, and I'm going to take some ownership as somebody who's taught in the church, as someone who's led in the church for 22 years now, is that I think we got so caught up in trying to make people to make church applicable, to make the Bible applicable, that we didn't teach them the foundations of what guides those applications. Yeah. So, and, and I saw, this was really popular in the nineties and two thousands. Okay. You can have a, you can have an entire sermon series on money, which is great. But if you don't understand the God who mm -hmm. is yeah. the, the provider, the father is provider, you now understand money, maybe have a good theology of money, but yeah. you know nothing about the God who has blessed you. I think sometimes I can take, um, ownership and some of that too, like children's ministry, sometimes you get into this camp of where you want church to be entertaining and relevant and fun and exciting. And you start to lean harder into making a good person yeah. over a faithful disciple. So at some point, excuse me, a really good friend of mine is probably one of my best friends, like my brother. He's an Anglican priest. And his name's Dan Shoemake. He uh, just planted a new church uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago in Georgia. And he and I were talking this week and he goes, Jason, um, help me understand. He goes, on average, I spend three to five hours prepping a message because it just feels like a waste of time to do it. I mean, I preach for 25, 30 minutes, and, but I, I have more important things to do as a priest mm -hmm. than preaching God's word. And he said, now convince me I'm wrong. And he, we have this kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Where we'll we'll say things, and he is one of the smartest people I know. When it, Greek, Greek or Latin, like when anytime I have a question, he's the guy I call. Far smarter than me. And uh, and so I shared with him. I said, you know, here's the thing, and this goes to your point. In our culture today, we want a message that's biblically sound. We want it to be sound biblically. I also want it to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. it needs to be filled with stories. It needs to make me laugh, but it needs to be biblically true, and it has to hold my attention. And I want it in 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and that's possible if you want me to spend a couple hundred hours a week on one message. Yeah. This is where like TED, uh, TED Talks, if you're familiar, there was Share a whole ideas. movement in the church a few years ago that 
was moving towards church. Church messages should only be 15 minutes long. And the, and the reason why they gave is that the TED Talk, you can't go more than 15 minutes. And this is what I heard. Well, if they can do it, so can you. And I'm like, do you know how long the average person preparing for a TED Talk spends on that 15 minutes? Yeah. It's not 20, 30, 40 hours. It's hundreds of hours condensing the information. But here's the bigger issue. God's word is something we've been stewarded with. And so this is the mm -hmm. conversation he and I had. Mm -hmm. um, so here we are. We're talking about the creed. We're talking about God the Father. Jesus was entertaining, but he wasn't seeking to be an entertainer. And there is a difference. And this goes back to your point. I think sometimes as pastors, we, we mistake the role. Our job is to pastor. And good pastors, the greatest sin a pastor can do is to bore people with the word of God. Yeah. I'm supposed to be entertaining, meaning that people would want, should want to listen to me. I should know how you to meet them where they're at. I have to meet them where that Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus told did. some really funny stories. He also told stories that kept people's attention. Irrelevant to who they were, what the culture was going That's through. That's right. But I'm not an entertainer. Yeah. And I think this is where the problem has come in is that, the reason why so many, and this goes back to Jennifer, what you and I were talking about earlier, is the reason why we have so many Christians who don't understand the ba basics, is I do think is as pastors, and I'll tell you this temptation I worked through years ago, I thought my job was to be an entertainer, mm. not to be a preacher of God's word. And I, years ago, I had a, a dear friend of mine when I was the teaching pastor at Community of Hope. I had asked her, I'd come out of working in youth ministry and speaking at youth camps and conferences and that kind of stuff. And, and I, I asked her, I said, Hey, you know, I'd love to hear how, what feedback do you have for me? And she said, Jason, um, we didn't hire you to be a stand-up comedian. We hired you to teach us God's word. Mm -hmm. That's we, it's great that we can laugh. It's great, but we, we want to know God's word. We're hungry. That changes the dynamic. And, and this is exactly why we're doing series like this is that it'd be one, it'd be too much to overwhelm people and do an entire one one teaching on the Apostles' Creed mm -hmm. and think that we're going to get anything of it. But this week, we're talking about God the Father. Yeah. And okay, so now I grew up without a dad. Kate, you were a single mom for a while, but you've had, your son had father figures in his life and mm -hmm. people in your life. You were raised in a home with a very godly family, correct, Jennifer? Well, not God. I mean, no, but I had a good oh, dad. Oh, I thought they were raised, I thought you were raised, were you oh, raised? No. I, oh. No. I mean, no. Okay, that's see, I learned something new. That's good. I thought yeah. you were raised in church with that. But when we talk about God the Father, we bring our experiences in. All of it. It's it's impossible not to to our experience with an earthly father. You hear the language, the word father, we immediately go, oh, this is what a father looks mm -hmm. like, good or bad. Okay, mm -hmm. so now that being said, I when you took when you think about your dads, share about your dads because both of you shared very positive things mm -hmm. and. And regardless of Christian or not, a dad doesn't have to be a Christian to be a good dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be, I mean, I want to be clear. I, like, I don't want to make a statement on my dad's faith because I, I think that's hard to to do. But my dad is very loving. He's gentle, very accepting, very. Um, like, I think I was confusing Mike's dad. Yes. Mike's family. That is a true That's statement. who I, because when that's yes. who primarily I've met. So I'm like, oh, yes. wait, that is. Your dad on Mike's side. That yeah. makes sense now. Okay. Um, I'm tracking. My dad is like really good at like second chances mm. or and um, the kind who is like just um, really cares about his family. Just, I mean, just a good man. Just he modeled, good he man. modeled a good father. Yeah. Yeah. My dad is literally my hero. I, I'm, my dad um, does not really, really 
attend church, but they come once a year to Zion and they hold babies on Easter (laughs) (laughs) and they get voluntold to do that. And my dad loves it. My love for kids, my love for toilet humor, um, my love for being independent and a hard worker for real. My dad makes so many fart jokes and so do I. And that's where I get it from. (laughs) My dad also is like such a storyteller. He used to tell me the craziest things. Remember when Napoleon Dynamite came out and yeah and he told me he's like oh yeah kate sorry to tell you john heater got hit by a bus last night super sad and i was like oh wow i went to school and i told everyone that john (laughs) heater got hit by a bus the next day megan mazzoni stands up and is like katie evans is a liar john heater's not dead i was like dad you lied to me i told everyone at school and he died laughing and i was like that's really me <laughs> i can laugh now but like dad i hope you're listening that was you need to forward this podcast there's a whole section about the trauma you've caused me <laughs> i do love my dad and like i call him for things all the time the reason why i some of my favorite jobs i've ever had have been at like hardware stores and i'm i'm a naturally really handy person i have my own tools like if something i'm a macgyver if something breaks at my house i'm the one that fixes it not John usually and it's because of my dad like he's just incredible uh we didn't grow up in church I think that he's very um against organized religion and he was pretty vocal about it when I was a kid um but like the fact that he can still love me and support me as I work at a church and like I talk about Jesus like there's no secret in my family that I love Jesus and I love them and they're gonna have to learn how to get along someday (laughs) and and here's the like this is why it's so good like i grew up without a dad never been a dad or never bet i was gonna say you are a dad no never met a dad i don't know where the ben thing came out never met my father never had a father in the household um but and i we i talked about in the message that the sociologists say whatever your view of dad is often affects your view of god um for me i actually never had a problem with gravitating toward God as a father. And I think part of it was there was a part of me so desperately wanted that father in my life. Yeah. Um, but what I had to learn, and and this was, and I, I think I've shared this before, part of the whole reason why I was a jerk for Jesus is I didn't understand love. Yeah. And so that was- You the, understood the authority. I understood the authority. I understood the idea of what a father represents, but I never saw that love demonstrated. And so what that did for me is it wasn't until my 20s where I started experiencing the father's love. Mm. So I never struggled. And I didn't think he was mean or callous. I just, I thought love looked one mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And then I started I started experiencing through my friends and seeing how their fathers treated them. And, and I think this is the gift of when God uses the word, when Jesus uses the word father in heaven, in the Old Testament, the reference of God as father is talk, talking about the nation of Israel. That's all. That's all. He's the father to the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. But now he's God the father and there's a relational component. And Jesus is the one who introduces the idea that you can have a personal relationship with God the Father, yeah. not a communal one. Yeah, because when he one. says Abba, that was controversial, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, so to have like that intimacy. It's it's. I don't. Controversy is the wrong word. It was just not something you did. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was a to Abba is the equivalent of saying Daddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Aramaic, uh, it's an Aramaic word. So I, I don't know that it was much controversial as much as it was like, what? No, we don't call God that. But it wasn't, I don't think, they, we don't see them ever wanting to stone Jesus because right. they called him Abba. But it was a mind shift. And I would argue that there are still people in the church today that don't see father see the father as a dad. He's purely the father authoritarian figure. Sure. 
he's not the father who, when his son is little, he gets down on his knees yeah. to see him face to face. And e even in this, and we talked about um, in the message that because there are so many father wounds, yeah. the result of that is now you have people who want to get rid of the language or they want to make it, it's just symbolic. No, it is a metaphor because God is, we're on podcast, so I can say this. God did not have sex with Mary, so he's not a biological father. We see it's the Holy Spirit who brings this ball of life in Mary's uterus into being through the work of the father. So he's clearly not a father in the sense of a sexual means. Um, but why does the father need Mary in the first place? And I think this is the part that we miss is that you have to have a father and you have to have a mother. Regardless of all the controversies in our culture today, um, you can have two loving people who can be the same sex and parent. And I'm not arguing with any love, but in order to create life, you must have a father and a mother. That's the only way to legitimately create life. And so God, by recognizing he's a father, he is the author of life. Now, in fairness to some of the movement, yes, the Bible was written in a patriarchal culture where men, women in particularly were subjugated, had very little rights. Even the language, it was believed that a woman's uterus was essentially like a like soil or a cave. And the only way that there was anything could be in there is if the man implanted it, which is why in the Old Testament, whenever you see someone not being pregnant, it's never the man's fault. Yeah. It's always, she's a barren woman. A lot of their worth was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because again, you, uh, this is, we're talking two, three, 4,000 years ago. Which gives you a different heart for the struggles mm -hmm. of, you know, like Sarah and. and That's all, right. Leah. Because they're yeah. valued. They were valueless. Yes. But here's where we miss it. It's, and this is why we have to see God's father. How does God, the father come to Sarah or Sarai? Yeah. He gives her a child. Yes. He blesses her. And in her old age with a child. Um, Mary, who, you know, is a, the virgin birth or Elizabeth, her, her aunt, um, sister, aunt, cousin, cousin. Thank you. I'm like, what is the, what is the female relationship? relationship. Yeah. Um, but we look at that and, and here's the part that we miss in scripture is that the God as father is never shown as capricious. He's never shown as volatile. He's kind, he's loving, he's gentle, he's just. Um, he cares about the oppressed. And in fact, when you read the literature of the Bible in the ancient world compared to other ancient literature, the women are elevated in a much higher status than almost any other cultural writing at the time. And then you compare that to how God, because remember, Jesus is the reflection of God's love. Yeah. This is what it means to be God as father. It doesn't mean he's male. It means he functions as a, as a good father should be. Yeah. And therefore, a woman, when women rightly understand that, they're seeing and going, there's a fly that has been flying around this room all this it's time. It has crazy. not harassed me yet. No. So and it's because we smell good. We smell good, yes. I do. He came right at my eyes. <laughs> right when <laughs> you said it. He's like, he's like, oh, I'll yeah? You. I'll tell my dad to you. <laughs> but side note, I do have onion breath from lunch, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's my point. Anyway. And so we're talking about God the Father. And... I think so much of the reason why we struggle with the idea of God as father is not because of who God is, but because of how man is. Amen. Yeah. I 100% agree. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember where I read it. It was some some kind of article talking about God as father. And the idea of when you're afraid and you have a healthy relationship with a good father, what do you expect a child to do? 
you're going to run to your father, that protection, that, that kind of mightiness, but even like that idea of Jesus sitting glorified at the right hand of the father, Mm -hmm. how that also helps you understand who Jesus is. Like, I don't know. It, it can be beautiful and it can be dark for people that have that. Well, right now we have a, a, in our world, not in America, but in our world, we actually have a interesting picture of this with Queen Elizabeth dying. Yeah. Because the Bible tells us that the father hands his authority to the son. Talk about security. This is mm-hmm. eternal authority. God is yeah. all. The father. Okay. So there's a, there's a theology called the subjugation of Christ or subordination of Christ, which is that Jesus submitted to the father's will. And that Jesus is subordinate to the Father, not subordinate in worth, but subordinate in role. So the Father sends the Son, the Son dies for humanity, and then the Father and Son send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is subordinate to both. And here we have this picture of the Father King handing all authority to Jesus and saying, "I'm." that's relational. Okay, yeah. now what did we just see in England? You had Queen Elizabeth, who died at 97 years old, held on to the authority as long as possible. She only, the only reason why it got transferred is because she died. The image that we have of God, the father in heaven is one who's incredibly secure in his authority. So secure he can give it to the son who is equally God and then say, Hey, all the authority I have, it's your authority now, son. And that's the picture of a healthy father. When you have a healthy father, what you imagine is one who is secure in who they are, who's going to protect you and protect your interests. And that's why Jesus was so secure. Jesus never wrestled with insecurity because his identity was grounded in the Father, which is why it's so important. And I'm going to speak as men right now. As men, as a father myself, my children's security starts with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does, whether or not we like it or not. It's when you don't have a man in the house and you don't have, or you have a man, but he's not loving or he's absent or unkind. And that doesn't mean that women don't provide something as well. But there is something that that father's love grounds oh, yeah. differently. Oh, yeah. And and but this is also why I need my wife. And this is God didn't need the wife. He didn't need. Some will say that the Holy Spirit is the feminine. And yet in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is referred to as he. Mm-hmm. What we find is God made man and woman in his image. Yes. So there's something in women that still bears the image of the Amen. father, son and Holy Spirit. And this is where I think people get tripped up is they think that what we're saying is that men are better than women. No, No, that's not at all because we're both made equally in the image of God. Even if you look at the way that God, you know, that scripture talks about humanity being the body of Christ. We all have different roles. We have different parts. I think the gender of female and male and and female and male can still perfectly reflect, not perfectly, imperfectly reflect that you called it the divine mystery of yeah. it's we can't ever really truly fathom all of what God truly is. We have we to have each other. We have to have each other. We have to be able to, you can't perfectly describe in a human way, the Trinity, but can you see the facets of being every one of us are a part of that image bear? Yeah. Well, and so I, this is the, I actually think it's imperfectly perfect because God, yeah. God knew that we it's were not. It's his design. He knew that yeah. I needed woman. Yeah. And and this is this is the I think when we look at at the days of creation when God created man and it says it's good that it's not good that man be alone. Yeah. Wait, he was in perfect relationship with God and yet he was lonely. Yeah. And I think what has happened in patriarchal theology, which patriarchal theology puts everything around men. And I think if we look at the trajectory of scripture, what we see is God is elevating women and bringing women and men into equal standing. 
Yeah. And they play different roles and responsibilities, but a woman is not limited because she's female, nor do I believe that she has to subjugate herself to a different role. I believe women can teach, preach, do all those things. But I do think when we look at God as father, the role of the father, the role that God declares by saying father, he's acknowledging that there is authoritarian difference. However, in the Old Testament, God often refers to himself through he loves like a mother or he protects yeah. like mm-hmm. a mother hen. Yep. And that's that divine mystery, that part where we lean into each other. Okay, so here's the question for you guys. And this is going to be a shorter podcast, unfortunately. Um, when we think about uh, in the church, how we represent God the Father, when we're not loving like the Father is, because ultimately the goal is the children of God want to look like their parents. Jesus was a reflection of the Father. Right. So it's not that Jesus loved you, it's that the Father loved you, and Jesus loved you in the direct way the Father loved you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's different. I use different languages. I know you said it, it. You did say it, that Jesus, it's not just that Jesus loved you, it's that God loved you God with Father, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, and he perfectly, he reflected, he reflected yeah. that love, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's the challenge for us. People are looking at us and we're supposed to be imaging God the Father. When we don't image well, how does it impact people's view of God? Mm. When I'm not, like if I say I believe in God the Father and yet I'm not loving, do I really believe in God the Father? So I'd love to hear your thoughts. And again, whether, and it could be, at not necessarily, I'm not talking about Zion, I'm talking about Christians in yeah. general. How does our belief in God the Father and what it means that he's almighty maker of heaven and earth, When we're doing it well, how does it change the world? And when we're not doing it well, how does it change the world? I think that like as a woman that I'm a survivor of abuse by men and my son had, I was a single mom for a long time. So I have a lot of reasons or explanations of why maybe I wouldn't have a healthy view of a man and to have that like negativity that might come with um, hearing God the father. But like as a woman, how can I do that well to, to be a better Christian, better disciple of Jesus? I think that respecting men and um, respecting fathers and seeing that reflection of God, like my dad might not be a perfect Christian or a Christian at all. I'd have to ask him. It could be different today. But can I see my dad reflect character of God? Mm-hmm. Can I see my dad be a protector and say, yeah, I lo- I see that. That is good. I know that's got to be God. God, when they talk about God being a protector, I can connect some of that at least. Or like you were saying, Jason, like the other men in my life that are good examples to watch you, Jason, with Eli even was a good example for me. Gabe and Eli are almost the same age, you know, and to be like, okay, that's what a Christian dad looks like. So then when I was starting to date John, I knew what examples I wanted to see. Thank you. That's very kind of Yeah. Me. I mean, I have lots of other men too, but like definitely you, Jason, it, just because our kids were the same age and we go to the same church, we see a lot of each other. Yeah. <laughs> but we work at the same place. But being able to like see that in men, good men, yeah, they're, not all men are bad. Not all men are good. But can I see the good in men and understand that they are image bearers? Okay. Now I'm getting a better holistic view of what God the mm-hmm. Father really means. Will I ever understand it perfectly? No. But as I age and mature and experience God through other Christian community, 
I think I do get a better view of it. I think the, one of the things I'm looking forward to in heaven is that we're going to spend eternity exploring the mystery and bigness of God. <sighs> we can't even fathom. Eternal. It's going to be so cool. How about you, Jennifer? Uh, well, one thing that came to my mind is, you know, we can't show God's love to uh, the world unless we first received it from God. Mm, preach. And so the thing is, is I can't outpour something I haven't received, so I haven't accepted. And the thing is, is that I think sometimes we fall into a pit of like receiving God's love once, like at our quote unquote salvation. I got saved. He loved me. He loves me. That's it. Yeah. It's like, no, I need him to love me right now because right, right now I'm sinful to, you know, in 10 minutes, I'm going to do something sinful. And I need him even when I'm not sinful because I need, I need a perfect love. And the thing about outpouring that to the world is that it helps clarify what real love is. Because there's so many definitions of that. I want the love that comes from the Christian body, from the church, to look so different that people ask questions. Yeah. That people start to go. It makes it just makes them curious about about those mysteries of God. Yeah. And but the thing is, is until we've received that first, until we've ex- re, you know and, and have come to love ourselves through like through Him. We, we can't give that to anybody else truly. Yeah. And, you know, we have this conversation and in, in, uh, read through, but every like the Bible doesn't say, well, I want to be careful because I don't know my Bible super well enough to say this. <laughs> I read a book that said this. OK, so like, <laughs> but like it doesn't say God is patient, although he is. It doesn't say God is um, caring, although he is what it says that he is, is love. God is love. And out of his love, we see all of these other characteristics. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's how, that's what needs to be modeled to the world. Yeah. It's I like an irresistible. I don't, yeah. I don't need to be paid. I do need to be patient, but not for patience sake. But where does patience flow from? For that's love's right. sake. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, so the, yeah. And, and uh, one of the kind of the early creeds were the Jews. So you had hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. But another one is the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, right? Well, then in John, when it says God is, is love, the idea is it's not that God isn't patient. It's the state of being. If you were to, if you were to put a picture of love, God would be at the center of it mm-hmm. because love is patient. Love is kind. Mm-hmm. That's why First Corinthians right, 13. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying is right. it's not that there's no... There are places that talk about God as caring, but that caring, where does it come out of? Yeah. Because what if I'm being patient because I'm being manipulative? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know people who are incredibly. Oh, I'll wait you out. That's or, right. Or God's wrath. Yeah. How do you? How do we? How do we understand God's wrath? We have to understand it through the lens of the fact love. that He is yeah. love. Well, and and okay, so I was otherwise he's just mean. As, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I was thinking about this, and one of the reasons why we can get confusing is we think that the only one who should be impacted by God as father are men, mm. but because we're both made in the image of God in order for the world to get a f- the fullest glimpse it can of God, the father's love, we must both men and women must model the father's love. Yeah. yeah. And, and here uh, uh, a dear friend of mine used to go and speak at schools on abstinence and some of the things he would share. Um, Girls who grow up in homes with absent fathers are more likely to seek out sexual affection from men. Um, they they look for security in other places. Well, think about, okay, I'm not, if, if Lord forbid anything ever happened to Lisa, I could not raise my kids on my own and do it perfectly. Yeah. 
I mean, even two people can't do it perfectly. That's right. So, <laughs> well, or even do it well, because right. here's the thing. Yeah. I can't be a mother. That's why we need male and female. We're both made in the image of God. This is why the language of God as father is confusing for us, because what we think is maleness, not really character. Father. Yes. Not not fatherliness, right? Mm, and yes. we're, we're, we're thinking men. Only men can be fathers. In the human element, yes, but God is not a man. God is spirit. He became man in the person of Christ. But that is he took on the substance of man, not the father. Jesus did. Even if I think of like this season in my life where I was a single mom and having to be mom and dad sometimes, um, that uh, having to be the protector, the provider, the the gentleness with the discipline and the 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 your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That part, I think of a shepherd, I think of a father, you know, and having to do that. Can I do that to the world? Can I do that to my brothers and sisters? Can I be a loving shepherdly father to my kids men? Is that a, is that a fatherly love to be a director over a ministry? I believe it is. Well, and and I, and I want to end with this. Um, I think we as a church have to do some repenting. Because we say we believe in God the Father, but we don't act like the Father. Mm. Sometimes we act like petulant brats who complain and get upset about stuff because we're not getting our rights, we're not getting our way. And I'm guilty of that. I'm Amen. 100% guilty of that. Um, but the other part is, is we've not reflected the Father mm-hmm. well because, as you said, Jennifer, unless I, I cannot give what I have not received. And I think we need to learn part of that confession and repentance isn't just that we haven't done it well. It's that we've often, we've often sought not the love of God, but the love of something else. Yeah. We've gone to the wrong source. And it starts and with the Father. Or we've confused what love is. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm I know we're ending, but one of the things you mentioned in your in your sermon was this idea of being fathered. Yeah. yeah. And that really is the part where it's like the receiving of the love. Yeah. And, re- and reflecting and it. And reflecting then. it then, right? Yeah. And so there is <laughs> Mm, I, I don't know if you'd call it like a discipline or a rhythm, but there, there's um, there's something about allowing yourself to be fathered, to yeah. be parented, to be instructed. As a to part of loved. your spiritual formation. So As part of your spiritual formation. Here's what I want to do, just okay. because of the sake of time, and I, unfortunately we've got other conflicting schedules today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when we, because next week we're talking about the person of Jesus. I think Jesus shows us the father. And I think that's where that fathering. I think well, let's let's put a pin on that and talk he, about that. Or next. He also showed us how to be fathered. That's right. And he shows Amen. us to be fathered. Mm-hmm. He came and fathered people on behalf of the father, mm-hmm. according to Colossians. He was the fullness of God revealed in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, this was a, a good conversation. It was great to, we kind of started off with some interesting things. I know. <laughs> the fly John Hoffa might cut it. But yeah, he might. Well, hey, this is the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. Jennifer. Kate. Have an awesome day. We love you, Bob Graff. Thank you for listening to The Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of The Breakthrough Breakdown.